Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Mandalorian Pod here on Rogue Opinions. I am one of your usual hosts, Scott McLeod, here to talk about Mandalorian Chapter 15, The Believer. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the episodes of Mandalorian that we have now until, like we talked about last week, we have to wait what's going to seem like maybe a year, year and a half at least, until uh, we get bloody season three of that bloody Pedro Pascal being so busy and everything else. But we're here to break down this episode and... I'm going to introduce to you my usual co-host, the Qui-Gon Jinn to my Obi-Wan Kenobi, as the one and only Carl Pierce. Hello, yes, and thankfully I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't mean it sounds so ominous there, but I mean, there are members of the Rogue Pains team I would like to kill, but Carl wouldn't be one of them. So for the first time on this episode, we are going to have a special guest to join us, you know, Something a bit different, get another perspective on Star Wars isn't ours. And as a member of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat team, uh, a little bit of background here. Me and this man took part in a Star Wars charity, gone with took part in two of them. But the one that wasn't filmed was where I performed my best. I went 15 rounds as the Iron Man of that gauntlet. Unfortunately, I fucked it for myself in the second last round, clearing the door open for this man to go on and win the whole thing. He likes to refer to himself as the champion of a galaxy far, far away. If I am Obi-Wan and Carl is quite going to that can only mean that this is, for this week, our Jar Jar Binks. It is <laughs> Daniel Campbell. Mystical Jar Jar Binks! Mr. Yambo Stafford! Sorry, what? See, I knew you had that Jar Jar impression in the back, so I thought, oh, may as well just give him an opportunity to use it. You know, you don't get thank many opportunities. You, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you don't get many opportunities to... Nobody got Jar Jar Binks impersonation anymore. The the last time I think I got to do it on any podcast was um, I think one of the Saturday Draft Live draft shows where David Campbell said he wanted me far out the room, <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, I'll, especially if he does that Jar Jar Binks impression again, it's Daniel, and I just go, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Daniel, obviously, this is the rug of pains when I've heard you before. Obviously, if you a fan of uh, easily to especially the YouTube content we put out. Uh, you'll know Daniel because he works tirelessly behind uh, a lot of the YouTube content. You know, producing, you know, producing, hosting quite showdown. Uh, he's now the new host of a show we do over there called Book It. So have new episodes out soon. But uh, also, but you also, even though you came in later on in that Star Wars, you clearly have a, a love and a, a knowledge of Star Wars. So for the people listening, where what would your earliest memories, Daniel, be of of Star Wars? It would definitely be like when I was, I want to say maybe four or five, like my dad would just, if I was like having trouble sleeping or whatever, my dad would just take me in his room and he, he would just stick on Star Wars. And we would, we would like, we worked our way through the original trilogy and then the prequel started coming out. And that was like perfect for me. And my cousin and I also, whenever we did like stayovers at the weekend, We'd pick a Star Wars film and just watch it. Like that was our weekends, was Star Wars galore. And then, obviously, in the last decade, we've had this explosion of Star Wars media with, you know, Clone Wars, Rebels, the sequel films, and the spin offs as well. So, you know, it's plenty for me to go on. Yeah, totally. I think that's one of the great things about now Disney owning everything is that. Is allowing us to get this new content and all the previous Star Wars stuff that we love, and as well as all this new stuff is all under there. Something about like Clone Wars, particularly, I remember I spent uh, most of last Christmas binge watching it because we were doing a second Star Wars charity gauntlet, and I got put out the round before Clone Wars, which made me so angry. And the fact I was that so was... upset when that happened. <laughs> and it was, and here's the thing with the the first gauntlet we did that wasn't uh, filmed or anything. I bought like, an extra life, which helped me kind of live longer because uh, there's a few people who hadn't turned up, so there's some extra spots available. And so I got to use that. That came in handy because I buggered up a Princess Leia round on that quiz, but then I had the extra life that kept me on. And then the round before Clone Wars is about Princess Leia, and that fucks me again. <laughs> so I think it's I think quickly, you know, forget Jar Jar Binks or anybody else like that. Princess Leia is my least favourite Star Wars character now, out of pure spite. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody wondering? Scott thinking Scott doesn't hold grudges. You'd be very wrong. Oh, he like, does. Yeah, take that, Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma Tarkin is a hero of the Empire. 
Uh, uh. Also, good start. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, indeed. But let's uh, let's get into the episode, shall we? Like I said, chapter 15, The Believer, uh, written and directed. And uh, even though I've talked to him before and I've made sure I spell it right, I'm definitely not going to get this properly right. Rick Samoyer. I think that's how I pronounce it. He's uh, directed episodes before in season one that he wrote and directed this episode. Uh, we open in the Cthorne Trot Fields where we find Mayfield, played by Bill Burr, now serving his time after the uh, the field prison break in season one, where he's referred to as inmate 43667. And we know that because the droid that comes to get him to bring him to Cardoon says that, that number about 40 million times. Uh, and so he gets brought to Slave One, which is Boba's ship, and he immediately thinks, he briefly mistakes Boba for Mando. He goes, uh, I, I, I had a run in with one of you guys, and then immediately sees Mando getting off the ship. He's like, ah, oh, fuck. Uh, we, I noticed that Boba suddenly had an armor upgrade and since the last episode. His armor suddenly much cleaner than it was in the last episode. But Very I guess, shiny. I guess they want to look more sleek, especially when he's going to be leading his own TV series. He's got the he's got the Brillo out and the and the wax and everything, hasn't he? And... <laughs> like, geez, this is not had a wash in about thirty years. <laughs> I'm back. just imagining this outtake where he's like cleaning it, cleaning it, and then Fennec Shan just walks over and just goes, "Hmm, I can see my face now." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's like some sort of cleaning or sell it bang advert we can feature. We can try and feature Boba Fett and do a bit of a tie in before the new series starts. <laughs> Hello, I'm Boba Fett. This is still a bang. <laughs> There's also a, a, a polishing his helmet joke that could be made as well. I mean, I wouldn't have lowered the tone of the of this <laughs> family family friendly entertainment bar, <laughs> Carl. But you know, below for the dads. <laughs> Where was that? Oh yeah, I had a helmet on his boba. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh Jesus Christ. This uh-huh. is what you guys get. <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? We should. I don't care. We should never invite people on this show. Especially <laughs> that guy from the gauntlet, that bastard. <laughs> uh, we should mention you, your last, your opponent in the final round of that uh, gauntlet was Qua- our friend Quacko, who eventually admitted never seeing a Star Wars film. And when there was a question about both, uh, and his, he wrote for his answer, Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the question was who did Mace Windu behead in the Battle of Geonosis, and he just put Dodd the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> so he said it with such confidence as well, which was adorable. That <laughs> is quite a thing. Even when it's utter nonsense, he he says it with conviction. He he gets you a believer. But we get to back to the episode. Uh, they tell Mayfield that they need his knowledge of Imperial codes because he's a former Imperial sharpshooter, but more importantly, not a but wasn't a stormtrooper uh, to help locate Moff Gideon's cruiser. He seems hesitant first, but then he hears that they've got the, the child or the little green guy, as Mayfield refers to him as. And uh, he said, I need access to an Imperial terminal. There's one on Morak where they go to this uh, mining hub, refining uh, Rhydonium, which we find is highly explosive uh, because they have to take over one of the trucks in order to get into the facility. And uh, Mando and Mayfield disguise themselves as... Uh, stormtroopers and they drive in but they get attacked by pirates trying to blow up the Rhydonium and Mando's trying to fend them off all the while you know, Mayfield has to drive at a, st- a steady speed uh, to make sure the Rhydonium doesn't become unstable and blow up and you know, there's all sorts of I remember watching this, like, it's a very real choreographed real high production action scene and I'm trying not to associate it with Dougal driving the milk truck and Father Ted that one episode like oh my god, Mayfield <laughs> There's a big bunch of boxes in the middle of the road. <laughs> uh, but eventually they get these uh, TIE fighters and the other stormtroopers eventually like come to their rescue, which is weird that the bad guys come to their rescue, but also the bad guys assume that they're bad guys as well. They go and they find the terminal and it's there that uh, Mayfield has a back out of his part of the deal because he said, like, no, I can't go in there. Uh, the guy there, Valiant Hess, who would recognise him, he's where he would recognise because he used to serve under him, so Mando has to go in and he has to like show his face, again, only the second time across the whole series that we've seen Mando's face uh, to, you know, scan it, so he shows the lengths he's willing to go to to save the child, or Grogu, we know his name now, but 
uh, then Hess kind of confronts him and it's weird how Mando, as soon as he takes the helmet off, he loses all confidence. He's not as, you know, he's not as like in control of things as he usually would be when he's got any, under the armor. So Mayfair has to kind of step in and says, him, oh, you know, he doesn't hear quite right. We, we just call him brown eyes. And so he sits, they sit with Hess and they're talking and Mayfield brings up uh, Operation Cinder on Bernard Kahn, uh, an operation he worked with under his, and basically talked about all the people that got killed. And he was well, remember how he's talked before about you know, the Empire and the Republic, it's all the same to most of the people in the university, talk about being able to sleep at night. And the more that Hess basically brings up, brings up the Empire and talks about how what they're going to do with the Rhydonium now, and it's, uh, the New Republic is in shambles. Uh, he just can't take any more Mayfield shoots him and then he hands it back Mando back the helmet and says, I never saw your face. And they both with the help of Shan Fennec Shand and Carajin who are providing cover fire, they manage to get to the roof uh with the coordinates of Moff Gideon's cruiser. They get on slave one, which is Boba ship, and with a sniper we get to see how much how good of a sharpshooter Mayfield was when he shoots the Rhydonium and blows up the base, which convinces Carradin to allow him to go free and they would basically tell the the people they, they took him from that oh, he died in the explosion and so he goes free and we get a very poetic ending which really jazzes you up for the finale where Moff Gideon receives a transmission from Mando or Mando basically repeats back Moff Gideon's speech from the episode 7 of season 1 saying you have someone I want, something I want then he'll be back with me he means more to me than you'll ever know you may think you have some idea of what you're possession of but you do not and even just watch it, even though I knew that scene was coming, I still got goosebumps. So it's a, a hell of an episode, even though it's like the one before the finale. It doesn't, it doesn't slow down. Like it's vital. The mission is basically vital to getting to rescue Grogu, which is what they're going to do in the finale. So, uh, Daniel, I'll come to you. Uh, before we, we delve into different aspects of the episode, overall, what were your thoughts of this episode? It was the best way they could set up that finale episode, and. Like from what I was seeing, you have already some high points. He's just, you know, he's, he's met Ahsoka a few episodes earlier. He's been told what to do with Grogu. He's just there, and then everything goes hell's up. Like because he's he's got the the Razor Crest is gone. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's he's stuck. He's basically at square one. He's like, right, what what do I do now? And then to see how far he will go, even you know shedding the Mandalorian armor for the Stormtrooper gear, or whatever transport crew gear it was, rather. And then also the fact that he removes his helmet. Mm-hmm. Like it's, It shows the fact that to him, like obviously the way is important to him, but it's not nearly as important as Grogu is to him. And that's the best development out of the episode for me, is just how much like you see how far he will go and then the last tease at the end is like the other extra mile he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Carl, what were your thoughts on this episode? Do you echo uh, Daniel's sentiments? I do. <clears throat> I do, yeah. It's a really strong, fun episode. I love the inclusion of um, Bilbo's Mayfield as well. He, he's, he's the perfect foil to Mando in, in the episode. And he has to actually brings some sort of words of wisdom into the episode as well when he talks about Mando um, removing his moving his helmet and the sort of lengths people will go to. He goes, everyone's got that uh, sort of line they won't cross until they see something that's more important. It's, you know, words to that effect. And as Daniel just said, you know, he... He, he realised that saving Grogu was more important than nobody seeing his face, so he finally removed the helmet when he had to. Yeah, and I, I talked about it before, uh, we now say to see Mayfield in this episode, even though he was good in the, the last episode, we saw him in that uh, episode, The Prisoner from Season 1. It's still, that episode isn't one of my favourites, so I think this episode is a better use of Mayfield as a character and Bill Burr as an actor because he gets to show a bit of a serious side, even though he's throwing in the odd joke. Or I mean, like, because everybody else around him is very serious, so he's injecting the try and inject a bit of humour. Like, he, he laughs at Mando, but how uncomfortable Mando looks when he first puts on the Stormtrooper gear and everything. 
So also being the queen, he's the one making jokes, but also he can do like serious stuff. Like I'm not seeing it, but I've heard like he's very good in that. The King of Staten Island, that film, uh, which came out I think last year or something like that. So he's very good in it, and yeah, we see like that very like serious moment between him and Valiant Hesse. I, I can't remember the name of the actor, but I'm pretty sure he was like the he played like the Night King in Game of Thrones. He's Richard Brake, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is the actor's name? I was just looking it up because, uh, yeah, a fabulous performance by him playing such a sort of slimy and horrible imperial officer. Very much. Although he hints that the New Republic is in shambles, but you know they don't delve into why. Maybe they would. Maybe they'll delve into that. Into that. Uh, they'll delve into the aspects of why it's in shambles in uh, that ne- that Rangers of the New Republic show, if it ever is going to fucking happen. Well, they like order, don't they, the Imperials? So uh, from, that, from their point of view, it probably is a shambles. But, you know, from a good guy's point of view, it might be ambling on, you know, all right, if you, yeah. if you catch my drift. Daniel, a running joke, one of the running jokes we have here is because Cardoon, played by Gina Carrado, was meant to be uh, a main feature of that like, New Republic show, but then she got fired there's literally been zero news about that as opposed to all the other shows. So we basically like to bring up the fact that, oh yeah, that's definitely going to happen. It's probably not. Nah, I've, I've, I think I did read somewhere that they've basically killed all the plans for it now that she's no longer in the show. So, I mean, realistically, they still have a lot to explore with the time gap between Mandalorian Season 2 and Force Awakens. There's a lot of time that you can fill in there. Uh, but with, but with like the Empire like saying that the, the New Republic's in disarray, well, you know, I mean, that is still early days. <laughs> yeah. And I know that there is some plots that were brought in from the books as well that, you know, could be covered potentially. Because I know there is a plot somewhere that Leia is uh, dismissed from the Senate after it comes out who her dad was. Oh. So... You know, that might be something we could hear as a background detail somewhere down the line. Would be interesting if they did, but, you know, we'll find out. It would be very interesting, actually. Uh, but I, I, I agree, I would like to see that. I, I do think, yeah, they're, they've kind of just foregone it. But, like, I, it does, I do see why they would want to like, delve into some of the details about what's happened between, like, Mando, like, even the end of the original trilogy and the start of Force Awakens, because they even, they've even teased that... Uh, like they, they started the cloning thing, which then creates Snoke, and they first revealed that in episode four of this series, and I believe that that's what they want Grogu for. They were what I don't know with a high midichlorian count, someone who's very strong with the Force. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that like kind of thing tied in, but you can also always tie that in with a further plot maybe to do with Mando going forward, because, you know, Moff Gideon, spoiler, is still around at the end of season two, so, which is good, because obviously more of his character being in the show is always a good thing because he's such a good villain. So there's always like those loose ends. You can still tie those up a little bit in Mando uh, season three at some point. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, isn't there, to coming out and to look forward to. And there's a lot of other stuff they can easily do if they want to as well. It's uh, it's quite exciting to see what what new stuff they come out with next and all the stuff that's. Uh, do you act like the uh, particularly interested in the Obi Wan series, which mm-hmm. uh, I think is due out sometime in 2022, from what I believe? Yeah, because Book of Boba Fett, we said last week it's it's finished filming. They originally said that it was going to be December this year of this year that it would come out, and if it's already uh, in post production, then it's likely that they'll, uh, they'll make that because. If they, if they thought for if they thought that they weren't going to make December 2012 on their original release date, then they probably would have came out with some sort of announcement saying, "Oh, we've moved it to this date or whenever." But, you know, still time to I think that's why Daniel maybe in this episode and the fallen one, even though I think Boba was kind of the star of episode six, where he uh, where he reappears and gets his armor back, he kind of has that backseat role in these two episodes. I think because he realised like what's well, using sparingly now. Now that we know we're going to use him for his own show, yeah, I think the best, the one thing I think it serves a couple of purposes. So the fir- that first episode, he comes back, we get to see him, you know, kick ass because it's Boba Fett, 
mm-hmm. and then this episode he's in the background kind of lurking we know he's going to come into the plot at some point and then you know he gets to take off and he gets to detonate one of those like mines mm-hmm. uh, that we saw back in attack of the clones like the minute i saw that bit open and I and like it dropped out. I was just like, "Oh, we're gonna hear that sound again." Because <laughs> let's be honest, that sound effect is bloody gorgeous. Mm. Like you could believe it will bugger up anything within range. <laughs> yeah, me and Carl thought it'd be like, "There's so many like iconic sounds just from Star Wars alone." I mean, we get that in this episode with the Tie Fighters. You know, we got them. You know, in the past, everybody knows the Darth Vader sound effect, like the sound of a lightsaber opening. Like, there's just so many iconic sound effects, like linked to Star Wars. There really is, isn't there? Like the, the ones you just said. It's uh, just uh, an amazing franchise, really, for all sorts of tidbits. But Daniel, you talked about how. Uh, Mando is so like fixated on like the way, you know, the way he was brought up uh, to this Mandalorian code, and even says like it was, it was, it was like a child uh, was the last time you let anyone see his face before he first takes the helmet off at the end of season one. So obviously this is all he's ever known. Uh, I think that really shows uh, when he has to take it off and Hess kind of confronts him and. He doesn't know what like what to do. He's kind of like a deer in the headlights. I think it's the most vulnerable you've really ever seen Mando at this point. Uh, maybe other than when he nearly died at the end of season one and the droid had to like, help him. But it, it, was, it also showed the importance of Mayfield because Mayfield was able to fast-talk their way out of the, the situation like mm. and kind of make it, made it a bit funny. We said, oh, he doesn't hear well. And so Hess just says the same question but just raises his voice like, what's your designation? Like, I think it, it was a good thing as well because Mayfield, for as much as he was, you know, trying to bam up Mando points, I think in the truck ride going towards the facility, I think that was when he kind of realized that Mando wasn't himself mm-hmm. purely because it was not his Mandalorian armor. And yeah. you even saw him in the fight with the pirates. He was getting, you know, he was wounded. He wasn't, you know, at full health. Like, even the way that you see Pedro Pascal play the scene when uh, the, I can't remember the guy's name, when he's coming over and approaching him at the terminal, you can see him just being like, oh shit, what do I do now? Uh, 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 can't can't think of an idea. And you see Mephil kind of step up because he kind of realizes like he's, he's just like everyone else. Mando's a person who will have his own insecurities. Like the Beskar armor is his mask to keep all the insecurities out from him essentially. And because he doesn't have it there, he's not himself. So Mayfield comes in and tries to help him out and get him out of there. Because he knows that, I think, at that point, they've got the info, he just wants to get back in the armor and go get Grogu. But then, of course, you know, Fanny Boss walks over and is just like, what's your designation? Uh, I, I, like, he, just, he also looks like, so awkward in the, the set down. He's just sitting there and like he doesn't really say much, but he's just sitting awkwardly in the middle between you know, Hess and Mayfield while they're having their conversation. The only real like thing he like perks up is when he's just kind of looking at Mayfield, like kind of knows what Mayfield's getting at when he's constantly questioning him about all the people that died uh, during Operation Cinder and everything, like all those innocent people, all the guys I served with, their families. Like, was it good for them? And man is like, like, don't, don't, because he can tell that you know, it, what Mayfield is about to probably do something stupid, and it does because. He ends up shooting everybody in the mess hall, and then, well, again, another funny moment where I'm pretty sure there's a stormtrooper and a carrying a tree who just looks at them after he shoots Hess right before he gets <laughs> shot as well. Again, yeah. again, the, the, the stormtrooper gets shot in the arm, but still gets killed. So, again, reason number forty-seven: why, no matter what color or how it looks, stormtrooper armor provides no protection. Yeah, it's uh, about as much use as a chocolate teapot stormtrooper <laughs> armor, isn't it? Well, it's just going to bake you, perhaps, on a hot day, and that's about it. <laughs> but it's um, uh, it's a really good scene, and it, it sort of gives you a little bit of insight into some of the Imperials as well, because the sort of borderline fanatics, he clearly doesn't care about the lives of other people, and some of them as we saw with um, 
the captain of the um, spaceship in episode was it episode four with the or episode three, isn't it? With the um, Bo-Katan, yeah. he's with it. He's with it. He's willing to sort of be a kamikaze, isn't he? Crush the uh, the shuttle into oblivion and, and take his own life. So, you know, they're really committed to the cause, these Imperials, and a lot of the higher-ups are, you know, quite fanatical. Yeah, and then when he got, like, cap- when he almost got captured, he had the, uh, the almost electric head capsule, mm. where he rather than giving Bo-Katan any of the information about Moff Gideon and the Darksaber that, he want- that he- she wanted to know. So, yeah, it does go, you show the kind of the length it'll go, but also kind of shows that not everybody... Who works under the Empire, kind of is evil again. Mayfield uh, has all his regrets, almost kind of PTSD like when he remembers mm. what he went through and everything. And you know, Ray Cardin is kind of is looking down nose at him and like very like, angrily, like doesn't like him because he was Empire and she was worked for the Republic. Uh, you really think she would have learned from like her interactions with Quill at the end of season one because she didn't really take to him very much either, but. Like he mentioned, like he was basically sold into the empire, so it wasn't he didn't serve on his, his own choice, and like like Mayfield justifies blowing up the base, and like we all need to sleep at night. So you know, Cara Dune. Oh, I'm glad she's not going to show up anymore. She's very judgmental. Yeah, but does her sort of mirror in real life almost <laughs> <laughs> a bit too, a bit too closely from piloting. <laughs> you know, yeah, we mentioned the. Uh, that that truck scene where it's uh, Ando and Mayfield like driving the ride going up to the refinery. That is, I think the, that is real the heart of the episode. That scene really because like you've got the conversation between two, but then you've also got the the fight with the the bandits or the pirates that are kind of trying to take over and like blow up the the stuff with them in it. And like I said, I made jokes of it being like the word Dougal's driving the milk float, but like he does have to like he does have to like drive at a certain speed or otherwise it'll become unstable. Uh, Mando starts shooting him, and he's yelling, like, are you really shooting a blaster around Rhydonium? And then, because it's not Mando's gun, it easily runs out, and then he just resorts to just throwing it at the guy, and it misses spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting, because they're uh, fending off and battling those pirates, but they're actually probably the good guys, because uh, they're trying to stop the uh, the, the Imperials uh, from stockpiling this Rhydonium that they're going to use for some dastardly purposes. So... You know, from the perspective of the story and um, for the mission Mando and Mayfield are trying to complete, they're the bad guys, but they're probably, in retrospect and thinking about it, they're probably the good guys trying to to stop the bad Imperials from transporting this highly dangerous substance around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't know why Mando and Mayfield are there. They don't know Mm. what we know about their, their motivations. They just see guys dressed as, as stormtroopers on what you presume is their world. Yeah, and, exactly. And yeah, then, like they, they, like they can't exactly remove the mask and go, "No, we're good guys." You're wearing the armor <laughs> on your own. Like, you know, it's the best bit is like he shoots him, and he, he obviously gives the line about you're seriously blasting with a van full of like rhydonium. I was half expecting him to do like blowing Robert Patrick from the Marine and just go, "Are you shooting him? What does it look like we're doing? Messing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like you said, uh, they don't know why you know, and uh, like Mayfield even says that you know, Empire, like New Republic, it's all the same. If you it's just people on their world, like telling them what to do, because we see we go by like a poor like, village, it's uh, and people kind of just looking very angrily at this Imperial truck kind of going by with these stormtroopers, and and then like. Mando is doing his best to fend off these pirates, but like he has to get saved by some TIE fighters, which stupidly, they don't start firing when they get to the pirates. They start shooting at the front of the truck and then start shooting around it because that looks that looks more act- suspenseful and action-packed. But the fact that it makes the TIE fighter pilots look stupid because they're blasting very close to, again, the truck full of Rhydonium. Your guns are bigger than the one fucking Mando was using five minutes earlier. Yeah, I think it's also mentioned when they actually make it to the base that they're the only ones to make it that day as well, aren't they? <laughs> so they've been having a hard time getting their hands on this stuff. And also the fact that like there's like thirty odd stormtroopers come to the end of the bridge and they just mow down like ten pirates, like, and they all just start firing. So like, oh, I guess when there's a, a big enough group of stormtroopers, they actually can hit something. 
or at least when the plot demands that they can hit something. But it is funny, like, again, that you're happy that Mando and that got saved, but it's by the bad guys, and even Mayfield, <laughs> yeah. like, Mayfield acknowledges it, saying, never thought you'd be so happy to see Stormtroopers. <laughs> I just don't think anyone would be thinking that first. Just, what, they, they saved us? <laughs> don't we normally shoot them? <laughs> and they're all, like you said, they're the only ones that got there that day, so everybody's all cheering and everything, saluting them when they get there, so it's a weird insight into you know what an empire base is like when they actually accomplish something, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so the main reason that Mando even goes with Mayfield uh, in the first place, but even though you'd think he'd want to go in anyway, because you know he's wanting to get back where he doesn't want, he wouldn't want to leave anything to chance. He'd want to try and be involved in it himself. Uh, originally, I think it was going to be Dune and Mayfield going in, but they said he says like they've got a thing that scans you, you know. Like former ISBs like run it and said like if you appear up on any New Republic database then you're gonna it'll set an alarm and basically will be done. will be the mission will be over before it begins and also Cardin's now a marshal for the New Republic so she's too high a risk. Shan says that uh, she's wanted by ISB because uh, you know she was a notorious bounty hunter and uh, they turn to, Mando turns to Fett and Fett just again even though he's not in all the episode he has one of the best lines of the episode just goes let's just say they might recognize my face. <laughs> <laughs> that line was just like, it, like the best part was you knew that because of how the like the clones were featured in mm-hmm. Clone Wars and even in Rebels, you know that some that you know there was a sense of humor in them. Yeah, and you, I just love that Boba's like gotten that old. He's been through hell. He's been through the Sarlacc. He's just like I'm too tired for this shit. They might recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even though he's he's only around like briefly at the end, you know, to help like get them back on the ship and everything, he still is serving a purpose because he promised to help Mando get the kid back because it's part of their day in exchange for getting the armor back. So he is living up to his part of the deal. Mm. That thing about the clones reminds me. Uh, I remember I sent Carl this image, uh, Daniel, but there was a thing it said uh, when the Emperor finds uh, Obi Wan is still alive after Order sixty six, and it's just this giant sign that says. Everybody did a great. Everybody's doing a great job, and then big red letters it except Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know this isn't a wrestling related podcast, but you know this is mainly my thoughts after an average episode of Dynamite. I think everybody did good except Cody. Oh, that's that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is an accurate statement. Yes, I will I will grant you that one. Um, Cody, not the most accurate of the clones. Uh, <laughs> that's probably the most honest way of putting it. I mean, it's a simple premise of, like, oh, he fell in the water. I think he's dead then. <laughs> like, <I know. laughs> oh like, it's not even that. It's just the fact that I could just generally imagine the Emperor just, like, doing this big, like, award ceremony, just going, like, you have done an excellent job. Up from you, a dick. Force choke. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did use the lightning. Yeah, he, I know he's no, not going to take. He's not. He's not buggered up that bad that he gets the lightning. He just gets a choke. <laughs> but I thought. I would have thought force lightning would be more convenient and uh, quicker dealing with people than the force choke. He's got to choke them out. Whereas there's like high enough voltage. Fuck you. Not that I've thought about it or anything. Ah, totally not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also a. Uh, oh god. No, sorry, Carl. I was say it's also a nice little bit near the end where they sort of let Mayfield go. Um, sort of, they'll she may, um, Carl Jean sort of makes out she's going to report that he, he died on the mission. So uh, he's he's allowed to he's allowed to run off. So be the cool if he pops up again. Actually, as, as I say, they really sort of developed and fleshed him out in this episode. So it'd be cool to, to for him to pop up in something else again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I said last week I'd like to see him. Like they said, the Boba Fett season, uh, the book of Boba Fett would be like Mando season two point five, and that'd be character returns. So if he pops up in that or in season three of Mando, I definitely wouldn't complain. I did have to wonder though, like, like he when he says that the refineries on Morak and that's where they leave him, uh, they also like nothing's on Morak. Like that's no, that's, I swear to you, it's there. So it's, like, it's a very remote. That's why they have it there. and Nobody else knows about it. So like. They, they didn't really consider, like, 
does he want to be left here or more? Where he basically said, there's nothing here. Or do you not consider maybe asking, where do you want to go? We'll drop you off. As long as it's not back to where we originally got you from. Or, or does he just want to be just left in the middle of nowhere? Am I thinking too much about this? <laughs> I mean, nowhere could be good. The only problem is that, uh, last I checked, nowhere was a location in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and was not connected to Star Wars. So he's a bit snickered in that department. I know. Well, Disney own it all now, so so perhaps we're going to get a Marvel Star Wars crossover, like I mean, you know, yeah, that's... Guardians of the Galaxy versus the Bad Batch or something. <laughs> Who knows? Like yes, Darth Maybe. Vader, you have been been able to defeat Luke Skywalker, but have you met our friend Logan? <laughs> <laughs> or can you beat um, Star Lord in a dance off? <laughs> I mean, in that suit, I can't see it. <laughs> uh, you got Morphidia in there. It's like I have the I have the child. I have the dark saber. Tony Stark pops up. We have a Hulk. I have been practicing playing connect. <laughs> <laughs> You're just running the gamut of of Star Wars themed impressions, aren't you? I had an empty glass after a glass of water earlier. Sat here. I just thought I had to. <laughs> <laughs> we we edge closer to. Disney does WrestleMania with every podcast we do. <laughs> yes, we do. If anybody wants to see what they yeah, comes of what a Disney like WrestleMania would like to go check out Carl on our fantasy booking podcast where we fantasy booked WrestleMania thirty seven. It's in our archives. Do you may want to check that out? Uh, so yeah, we feel kind of just like I'm um, scared living well nowhere, you know, away from the Empire, away from everything. Because you know, bug- he's probably bugger if he wants ever off that planet. Because I think the only other ships are probably on that base that he just blew up. Yeah, I don't think the pirate scouts are going to do well in space travel. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> and so after that, I think we all, uh, I think after that, all we have left is that like ending, like you said, very like poignant, poignant uh, ending. We see a card and saying, "What's our next move?" And then we have the the speech, and now majority of the next steps of the finale uh, mainly takes place on Wolfgang's ship as they try and get the kid back. So, well, uh, so basically this isn't really a filler episode, even though like it's all about yeah, Mayfield like, being the guy to help them. It is very much uh, an episode that like, they wouldn't be able to get to their ship to the ship in the finale for everything there to happen without the warnings that they get in this episode. So it plays a big part. This isn't a wasted episode. Like some of the middle episodes of of season one, or that goddamn passenger episode from earlier in the season. <laughs> so it's a, I think it's a very good episode. But now we need to decide what do we rate it. Uh, Daniel, we usually give our ratings out of uh, ten. So as our guest, we'll let you go first. What would you rate Mandalorian uh, episode Mandalorian chapter fifteen, The Believer, uh, out of ten? I would give it a solid. I'll be honest, I'd give it a solid 8. It was a great episode, however, me personally, I feel that they could have maybe done more with Kara and Fennec rather than just the odd shots and the odd scene with them. I felt it could have been a wee bit more involvement with them in the overall plot, but other than that, can't complain. Also, the uh, discussing Operation Cinder, a very lovely call uh, reference to the comics and Star Wars Battlefront 2, which I, I popped for, I'll be honest. I quite <laughs> enjoyed that. Thanks. It's always nice when they have those little references to like the expanded media, like even though some of it's not considered canon anymore. It's always nice that they slip that in for fans. And Carl, what would uh, you say? Are you going to go lower? Are you going to go the same? Or would you, did you think more of this episode? No, I, bet I echo uh, Daniel, actually. I'd say it's a, a solid 8 out of 10. A, a very good, strong episode. But um, not super amazing like say the Ahsoka one or the series finale that's coming up mm-hmm. yeah I would I would echo those statements as well because like like, like structure wise it's a solid episode right there's a clear purpose and everything because I did joke down when you really simplify Mando it's basically Mando has to go to a place to get a thing that takes him to another place and it is in a way like similar here but you know Mayfield plays a, a great role but yeah it's mainly him and Mando and yeah, a bit more of Garden Phoenix Shine would have been good, especially to kind of flesh out the thing between Dune and uh, and Mayfield, kind of, you know, her, her not trusting him. And then so all of a sudden, like, oh, he, he does one thing with the sharpshooter, and now he's 
now she lets him go. So yeah, a bit more interaction with her and him may have been good. So yeah, I think an eight out of ten is, is still a solid mark for this episode. So eights across the board, a really solid episode, especially for a, a second last episode of a series because more often than not, you have shows like this where the characters are just sitting about and there's a lot of exposition and it basically then ends with them getting ready for the finale where everything happens, whereas stuff is actually happening in this episode. That's important. Yeah, 100%. It's uh, important plot uh, developments going on in this episode, as you say, and it's just non-stop action, not like the, the ball fest of um, yeah. episode two. Yeah, because uh, I watch a lot of like, superhero shows, like the Falcon and Winter Soldier, especially that episode five of that show was basically like an extended training montage for Sam, plus Sam chatting to Bucky for a while. That was basically episode five, and then suddenly, <laughs> then just start episode six. Oh, look, he's Captain America now, and that's now stuff happening. So you know, it can depend, it depend with the penultimate episode of a series, but I think this is a, a solid uh, penultimate episode for season two onward with the finale. But it's also been fun, Daniel, to have you talk this episode with us. You know, you're the first ever guest on the Mando pod, and uh, you know, it's been a good laugh. Well, I feel it is only right that Le Champion of a Galaxy Far, Far Away be your first guest. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I really quite enjoyed it. It's Mandalorian's always been a show that I've really enjoyed ever since I started watching it, so I feel very, very happy talking about it. Mm. Yeah, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed having you on board, uh, Daniel, and uh, as you're, you're the hoe to our team godfather. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that me and Carly refer to ourselves as Team Godfather here on this show. And I'm the hoe. Well, many even the best hoe trains have to start with a single hoe. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might have to give away a bit of discount. <laughs> well, that's just pimping it easy, man. Uh, <laughs> but... but uh, I remember I, that when you do quite a show then 12, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Pimping, podding, quizzing, nothing, none of this stuff I do is easy, you know. <laughs> uh, that's, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got a future quiz show then after quiz show that I want to host in the future, like whenever there's another one available. That's, there's, there's the tagline sorted. Whatever quiz show the number, quizzing ain't easy. There it is. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll uh, make sure to note that down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as a big enough question and the other stuff that you start, Daniel, as our guest, let uh, Bill Rogbeins, who may not be familiar, but want you to check out more of your work that we've mentioned, uh, where can they find you and ESSR and all the good stuff you do over there? Well, you can find us on, well, you can find generally my work on the uh, Suplex Retweet YouTube page. I host uh, Quiz Showdown, which was our new quiz series that was set up in the wake of the pandemic to allow our quizzes to continue onwards. It's become a almost almost a monthly tradition now where we have some sort of quiz, either myself hosting it or we have some guest hosts. Scott has done one already, Quiz Showdown 5, The Quiz Powers Explode, and he's going to be doing our next one, which will be Quiz Showdown 12, Beyond Thunderdome. Mm. You also will see me uh, hosting... Uh, the series called Book It, which is our fantasy booking battle series. I give our panelists a topic. They must fantasy book the best card possible, with a few conditions thrown in. Mm-hmm. The hell of a series. You know, we, the first series of it, we did uh, a tournament to create the first ever one of the Booker T Brophy. And now, uh, defending <laughs> champion Stephen must now defend that regularly, and we must all find, fight for contention to get that uh, trophy away from him. You know, I'm still annoyed I didn't go further than the first round of that bloody tournament. Uh, but not that it keeps me up at night or anything. But Daniel, you're also, <laughs> Daniel is also on uh, our most recent feature show, Eat Sleep Sewage Retreat, uh, or at least one of our most recent ones, uh, the best worst finishers of all time. And you can catch Daniel on that, and as well as the other Eat Sleep Sewage Retreat crew, like myself, uh, on that on the feature show, like King of the Ring 96, uh, look back 25 years on that went up. I believe we've got a show coming out soon about the Mount Rushmore of tie teams. We've got East Central, a show that looks at all the news and, and rumours of the week in the weekly television. Uh, we have Saturday Night Live, a show I've been a part of. I've taken a break from. We look at a wee fantasy draft that we've got going there. And East Meets West, I'm on, which looks at 
New Japan Pro which is recording an episode of that actually this week. So maybe I'll be out uh, this weekend. Uh, and obviously, stay tuned for Daniel uh, uh, hosting Book It very soon. New episodes of that will come out soon. Uh, as for here, you can follow. Where could also people follow you on Twitter, Daniel, if they wanted to do so? Well, if people really wish to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at underscore DanJC. Uh, there, it's mostly just me retweeting just very random shit, I guess. I mean, <laughs> my last tweet was uh, the goldmine of a tweet from Mansur. When, why is my life becoming in my career mode? Um, <laughs> <laughs> which... To be honest, it is. Uh, other than that, also I'm on uh, Instagram at the same tagline, which is mostly just me, guitars, and the occasional like short project thing I do. I dabble with filmmaking in addition to the pod stuff that I do. So you might find some bits on there. You never know. But if you want to check it out, fire in. There you go. Uh, so make sure to check Daniel out uh, on Twitter, Instagram, or on the stuff he does on the Eat Sleep to Effects Weekly YouTube uh, channel. He does a lot of good work there. Uh, so support Daniel. Uh, uh, Carl, where can people find you on the other good stuff you're doing for Rogue Opinions outside of this obviously wonderful Mandalorian pod? You can find me at uh, Carlos underscore fire80 on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget you can find us at Rogue underscore opinions on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I haven't actually featured on it yet, but I'm Bound to make an appearance on um, the new footballing pod that they've labelled raccoons on tour for some bizarre <laughs> reason. <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of an in joke at Liam. Uh, for true fans will know. That's all. I'll I'll leave that one there. Also, I did um, a sort of pilot episode with Liam, uh, a quiz show, and I. Uh, a nice spoof, bit of fun spoof quiz show where I had to answer questions on my favourite band, BTS. Uh, never actually heard of them, but I muddled through. I muddled through. And uh, you can also find me on Rogue Chronicles where we talk about uh, villains from popular culture. Um, this week's episode has gone up. Uh, it's on Dr. Hannibal Lecter. And we have... Um, it's a reason. <laughs> we have um, Nathan Greenaway joining us as a special guest on that one, so uh, don't miss that part. Mm. Very good, very good. And also, Carl and myself will be continuing to bring you Mandalorian and all sorts of other Star Wars content here on this lovely pod, uh, Rogue Opinions. You can follow at Rogue underscore Opinions. You can follow me at Scott McLeod 1996. Uh, Rogue Opinions 20 on WordPress, that's our website. Uh, new articles are being like by the likes of uh, Carl and Anthony uh, going up regularly. Uh, you can follow me on the Rogue Retro Smackdown review. Uh, me and Sam had some issues before when we tried to record a recent episode, so hopefully we'll get back to regular recording as soon as we're on the road to Backlash 2000. Uh, I will be joining Carl and Liam on the Rogue Chronicles very, very soon. I'm looking forward to that, and you should be as well. Uh, me and Nathan have been talking about some uh, content some, uh, some returning content, some new stuff going to be coming uh, to the to the Rogue Opinions feed very soon so stay tuned to our socials for that and everything else uh, I mentioned that I do at ASSR I, men- I mentioned when we talked about Daniel's plugs so I think that's just everything uh, that fantasy booking pod that uh, Carl referenced where they booked uh, a Disney themed or Disney Plus least related WrestleMania go check that out if you want to know the full details and how far he went with that and uh, we're going to try to do some more fantasy book and stuff in the future. Past episodes of the of the Mando Potter in the back catalogue, and I think I've uh, we've plugged ourselves. There's so much content just thrown at you because it doesn't seem like lockdown's going to end any fucking time soon. But <laughs> we usually struggle for an outro. Uh, I don't often put an outro of these episodes. It just depends on the episode. But uh, Daniel, you can decide what we play out for the outro, given that you are our first ever guest. <laughs> what, what should we play out this? Uh, lovely collaboration I mean there are so many tunes there's only one thing I could think of hit it cantina band (laughs) (laughs) well there you have it everybody Uh, thank you for listening and don't you forget this is the way and never forget pudding ain't easy